Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So what is Jesus saying to Satan? Here's what he's saying. And this is huge for us. I'm not going to test God. I'm not here to jump off a building. I'm not to bring attention to myself and see if God will protect me. Now, I want you to get this. Here's what Jesus is saying. I didn't come to make myself look good. I came to make God look good. You're not here to make yourself look good. We're here to make God look good. You know, it's pretty natural for people to seek attention. As infants, we're the center of attention and we try to perpetrate that as long as possible. If you reflect on the life and words of Jesus, you will see that he was always trying to deflect attention from himself, always crediting God the Father as the source of his power and the impetus behind the miracles he performed. Pastor Mark will be teaching us, using the example of Jesus, how to overcome temptation he will be stressing the importance of knowing what God's Word actually says and having the Word deep inside us so we can resist the devil as well as our own sin nature. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark with his message, Learning How to Defeat Temptation. Satan is saying, everybody's doing just a job. And we see it. Hardly any clothes on, all kinds of things happening. Why? They don't know God. Now, some of that's our fault because we haven't shared the love of God and how good it is to be a Christian. So Satan says, you want it? Nothing's going to happen. It's going to be fine. But what happens after spring break to many young people killed in car accidents because they're drunk? Go home to college with three years ahead, but now pregnant by somebody you don't even know. All of a sudden, you're sick, and you have HIV. See, Satan never tells us the opposite result of going against the will of God. Now, don't be prideful this morning and say, yeah, those kids. We have sinful desires in us, unforgiveness, Anger, bitterness that destroy us just as much as the rest of these. Gluttony is a big one. I won't even go anymore. So what does Jesus say? He knows this. What does the word say about Satan lying to us? Go ahead, it's okay. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's a great statement, but it's total lie. Because the minute you leave Vegas, you leave with your problem. Understand what Satan says? It's a lie. What does the Bible say? All sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. 
the Bible says sin has negative consequences. Our sins will be exposed. Choose to sin, you will suffer. We don't ever hear that, but the Bible tells us. So Jesus says to God, no way, no shortcuts. I'm focusing on God. I'll wait till God says to eat. That's the way it is. What do we learn from that? Write it down this morning. Here's what you learn. Focus on God's word and enjoy obeying God. See, obeying's hard, but it's good for us. Obeying is hard, but it's good for us. Obey the word. Do it right. Keep yourself till marriage. If you've already lost your virginity as a young person, that's fine. Ask God to forgive you and just serve him. Serve him. If you're having trouble with lust, problems, and pornography, and drinking, and all this, get into one of our small groups. Let God minister to you. You can be freed from that this morning because of the power of God. Don't let those things control you. Now, we go to the second one. Look at verse 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kings of the world. Satan supernaturally gives him a picture of all the world. And he says to him, remember back in the garden, man had authority over the world. Then it was given to Satan because man sinned. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me so I can give it to anyone I want to. You want, as you study this, you'll understand that Jesus never says, no, no, you can't. He knows he can So if you worship me, it will be all yours. Second temptation, you want to write it down? It's the lust of the eyes. The desire to have something apart from God's will. It's our desires for possessions. Satan says, I'll give you the whole world. What does the word say about that? The word says this. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and has the greatest stock portfolio, the most successful business, the most 401ks, the most money in the bank, the most property, wisdom, corporations, people under you. What does it profit you if you lose your own soul? So Satan offers a shortcut that's huge. What is he offering? He's offering the world if Jesus will shortcut the cross. See, Satan had always been trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. He knew at the cross he would be defeated forever. And man could be forgiven. So he's trying to say to Jesus, I know where God's taken you. And eventually you're going to control the world. Let's just take this shortcut right now. And, and don't worry about dying on the cross. You don't have to do that. Because I can give it to you right now. Now, would not going to the cross and getting control of all the world, would that be tempting to Jesus not to go to the cross? Hello? Well, of course. Jesus knew what was going to happen. In fact, in the garden, remember what Jesus prayed in the garden? God, is there another way? This morning, how many are glad that Jesus is not going to take this shortcut? Why are you glad? Because that's where your salvation came from. See, if Jesus doesn't go to the cross, we're not meeting. There's no reason for a church. There's no solution to sin. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. We'd have been separated from God forever and hell forever. Father, thank you this morning. As we read these next words from Jesus, he refused to take a shortcut. He refused to cut short the plan of God. He refused to take the plan of God and make it his own plan and figure it out his own way. Thank you, Jesus, this morning for going to the cross for us. Because that's where your 
Love ran red and our sins were washed white because of the love of God and the determination of Jesus to obey the plan of God for his life. So how will Jesus respond? Look at verse 8. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, Satan had always wanted people to worship him right from the beginning. That's why he was thrown out of heaven. But Jesus knew only God was to be worshipped. So Jesus would totally ignore the shortcut, submit to God's will, go to Calvary, die for you and me, and be resurrected. And he sits at the right hand of the Father today, interceding for you and me. What is it, application? Here it is. Write it down this morning. Worship God by putting him first in all our lives. Remember the three priorities of life are God, people, and the use of time. God's always first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. So if this morning God is in second place in your life, you've taken a shortcut. If possessions are first place, you're in trouble. If a person's in first place, you're in trouble. If your sexual life or money is in first place, you're in trouble. Put God in first place. By the way, the biggest idol to putting God in first place is me. Wanting my will, my way. That's the battle I have. Same battle you have. So we have to understand that's what God does. He shows it to us. Now, now Satan and Jesus take a little tour. And they're going to walk to Jerusalem from the desert. Maybe a day's walk. I don't know how long. But look at verse 9. Now the devil led him to Jerusalem. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Since you are the son of God, he said... Throw yourself down from here. Here's what you want to write this morning. Temptation number three, the pride of life. The desire to be something apart from God's will. It's a desire for prideful public recognition. Now understand, what does that mean? Pride, if you've ever watched a television show, you've seen this. All of a sudden in the show, there's some police and whatever. And all of a sudden, a crowd is downtown. Maybe there's a a hotel way high. And all of a sudden, somebody says, look, there's somebody going to jump. How many remember seeing that kind of thing? And what happens down when that word and the ambulance get there and the police? What happens? How many people? Oh, lots of people come. And so what is Satan saying to Jesus? Now, Jesus, you're God. And, you can, and you'll read what he says in a moment, and you'll understand. You can just jump off that, boom. Wow. Look at, man, is he fantastic. Who is that? How did he come off the, hundreds of feet? Then he landed on his feet, and he's perfect. Wow. Pride. God hates pride. By the way, all of us are prideful. Do you know that? I want to be recognized. Pastors have a big problem with that. Worship leaders have a big problem with that. This weekend, tens of thousands of people on the internet, whatever, are watching me. You said, Pastor Mark, you don't have a problem with that. Sure, we have a problem with that. All of us do. But understand, the reason we're prideful is because we think when other people look at us, 
that makes me worth something. Wow, that's Pastor Mark. That's you. That's the corp. That's the one that owns that business over there. That's the one that has that money. Look where they live in Lansing. Oh. <laughs> and some of you drive your car out today. Wow. Some of you, oh, that's the way it is. Now, where does your worth come from? Your worth comes because Jesus Christ died for you. When I understand that my worth is not in stuff or things or titles or positions, my worth comes because Jesus Christ died for me. So what does that make us? Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're just ordinary. We're all alike. Go ahead and just tell them that right now. Just tell them that right now. Some of you enjoyed that too much, as you told them. You're just ordinary. You're like a nobody. So, because Jesus died for us, what does that make us in this room? It all makes us what? Equal. I belong because I'm a Christian. I have worth because Jesus Christ died for me. But we have to battle this pride thing. Jesus is going to have to battle it. By the way, in case you don't know, the only reason I'm useful is because God's anointing is on me. It is not my words. It is not my illustrations. It's not my good looks. (laughs) It's because of the anointing of God. If he takes the anointing, you wouldn't listen to me for a heartbeat. And I don't deserve it. It's a gift from God. Don't think. Don't think. Don't ever think a man or woman is special. We're just people. And God uses you just as he uses me. Our worth is discovered in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what is Satan going to say to him? Watch what he says to him. It's amazing. And it's a lie. Watch. For it is written. This is Satan. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up into their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What is the deceitfulness of Satan? Satan says, hey, you've been answering me with the word. Let me quote some scripture to you. So he quotes scripture from Psalm 91, but he omits the last part of it. To guard you in all your ways. He took the verse out of context. Satan says, go ahead, Jesus. If you do this, the Bible promises that the angels will come. And they'll make sure that the landing is soft. Whatever you do, God will protect you. That's not at all what that verse means. Understand why we go through the Bible verse by verse. Because you can make the Bible say pretty much anything you want by taking a verse out. That's exactly what Satan did. That's what we see in our world today. We have people teaching uh, on, on, on Christian television, hyper grace. Gifted teacher. I won't tell you who he is. A gifted teacher. But his doctrine is totally wrong. You just say this. You're a Christian now. And you don't have to ever ask forgiveness for your sins. You're covered until you get to heaven. That's foolishness. Why did John write, 1 John, confess your sins. He's faithful to forgive us. Because I need to confess my sin. He'll also tell you this. If your pastor teaches anything from the Ten Commandments, he's teaching you death. That's foolishness. What did we already learn from the first commandment? Love God first. Put him first. That's not death. That's life. So be careful what you watch. Very gifted, 
but out of context. Some of the stuff is right on, but a lot of it is not right on. So what is going to happen? What is Jesus going to say? Watch what he says in verse 12. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus answers by quoting the Bible, but with the correct application. What did it really say? Here's what he used to say in context. Look at this from Deuteronomy. You must not test the Lord you got as you did when you complained at Massa. You must diligently obey the commands of the Lord you got, all the laws and decrees he has given you. So here's what Jesus was saying to him. It's a great principle for you and me. God is to be trusted and not tempted. See, our times are in God's hands, but you can do foolish things. Well, I'm going to overeat. I'm going to eat the wrong things. I'm going to do dangerous things. Let's say this weekend we have the Blue Angels. They've been flying over our houses like Wednesday or something. Our dog's going crazy. You know. Let's say, well, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be a pilot in that plane. I can just get. You get in that that jet today, and somehow you get into it, and you have no training. Don't fly over my house, please. Oh, God will protect me. I'm a Christian. You're an idiot. You're going to heaven sooner than you think. (laughs) Well, I could cross the street. It looks fine to me. Well, here we go. God's going to protect me. Careful. Careful. The closer you get to the edge, the more danger you are. Stay away from sin. Be with God. So what is Jesus saying to Satan? Here's what he's saying. And this is huge for us. I'm not going to test God. I'm not here to jump off a building. I'm not to bring attention to myself and see if God will protect me. Now, I want you to get this. Here's what Jesus is saying. I didn't come to make myself look good. I came to make God look good. You're not here to make yourself look good. We're here to make God look good. Understand, pride is a difficult thing. Jesus could have done it. He was God. And the people would have went, wow. He says, no way. I came to make the Father look good, and I'm going to obey his will. I'm going to the cross. I'll get the kingdoms, but God's way. Now, as you go through all that, how does all this end? Here's verse 13. And when this was all over, and the test was finished, Satan left Jesus forever and he was tested no more. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? It's not true. (laughs) I wish it was. Take a look at what it says. Here we go. Verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. We would like to believe three strikes and Satan's out. No. Here's what you want to write this morning. Understand this. Be aware that Satan never gives up, but God promises victory. Satan will tempt Jesus many more times. Your temptation is never over. That's why we have to learn the principles. That's why we have to understand the weapons. Because it's ongoing. Now there comes a day when Satan can't tempt us anymore. You know when that is? When we're in heaven, because there's no sin. Not till then. I need this victory. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what do you mean by victory? Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 10, and let me show you what that looks like. 
You see, there's some amazing promises that God gives us. In the book of James, we learn to uh, draw close to God, resist the devil, and he'll leave us. That's true. Here's another great one in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All of our campuses, look at verse 13. I'll read it out of the New Living Translation. Here it is. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Let's just stop there and look at me. What does he mean? Sometimes Satan says to you, you're the only one out of 8 billion people that are being tested like this. You're amazing. But you'll never make it, so you might as well just give up. No, no temptation. The temptations in your life are no different than anybody else. And Jesus went through them all. So we're not special. We're not unique. I don't have to give up. I certainly don't have to get prideful. And God is, say it with me, he's what? He's faithful. What does faithful mean? He'll always come through for you. He'll always come through for you. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. In other words, I can never say to God, well, God, you let a temptation come and I failed. It's your fault. No, he will never let that temptation come to my life. He knows what could bring me down. He will never allow it. Notice, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Notice the next word. When you are tempted, not if, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can, interesting word, endure. It's a battle. Here's what I want you to write this morning. Every Christ follower can overcome temptation. Every single one of us. You don't have to walk out of here defeated this morning. Satan loves to lie and cause us to think, you'll never make it. It's impossible. You'll never be able to endure. Take the shortcut. Please take the shortcut. No, we don't need to take the shortcut. I can be assured that God will always provide a way out. It will cause me to endure. It sometimes is going to be costly. I'm just going to have to be patient. I'm starving at day 39. But Jesus says day 40, no, he will feed me. Understand, you have the same four weapons, the power of the Spirit, the Word, prayer, fasting. You have all of those available for you. And Jesus used those weapons and refused to take shortcuts. The last thing I want you to write this morning is this. Here it is. No shortcuts with three things. The Word of God. Don't dilute it. Don't say, well, I know that's what it says, but that's not what it means. No, that's exactly what it means. The word of God, every word of God is truthful. Number two, no shortcuts with the will of God. Don't try to do your thing. Get ahead of God's will. Well, God, I don't really need you over here. I can work this thing out myself. No, you cannot. You can't do life alone. You have to be there with the will of God. And last, the worship of God. The worship of God is not coming on a weekend or every third weekend and singing four songs. The worship of God is presenting your life, as Romans 12 says, as a living testimony to God, as a living worship element. And that's why you put God first and not yourself first. No shortcuts. Now that we've completed this message, it's good to be reminded of some of the points Pastor Mark brought out. We don't want to fall in our testing and temptation like the Jews did when they were in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. We want to remember that having the Holy Spirit inside us is no guarantee that we won't be tempted. We need to be vigilant and guard our hearts by obeying God's Word. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. As we continue to meditate on the words of the first part of Luke 4 and Jesus' wilderness experience, it would be prudent to read ahead in the chapter. Pastor Mark will be teaching from the text in Luke 4, which mentions that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, We should ask God to show us what the Spirit-filled life means, as well as to be ready for what God will say through the teaching. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.